0: But not just any Thursday, it's American Thanksgiving, everybody, which means a bounty of football. Real Thanksgiving. So, a dog is a good Thanksgiving. Of, you're sort of, how do you classify yourself, like an honorary American? I'm uh, a dual system. A dually. Fake American. So that's what it is. No, so I have a American
1: citizenship. I'm yeah. a dual system. Okay.
0: That's, I can I just, vote. You, yeah, right. Can you really
1: vote? Yeah, and I do. Really? Only when I really hate someone. Oh, then I right. vote against them. Otherwise, I'm indifferent. <laughs> you it's not know, the so one... much voting for <laughs> so the last someone, few elections have been someone. so boring
2: for you. Exactly. What have you done? But one thing I've noticed about American politics is has anyone noticed? This? It's so divisive. It is there. very.
1: It seems to be, <laughs> and I'm just learning that? this now.
2: Very polarized.
1: Very polarized, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. There's not a
0: lot of middle ground. Mm, no. Yeah. No, there's not. Yes. You're yeah, very um, divided. Anyway, <laughs> politics aside, it doesn't
1: bring people together down there.
0: Uh, you know what does bring people together? Hockey. Thanksgiving. Hockey. <laughs> Hockey. Uh, Good segue. Uh, I want to bring this up because we're going to be going to AJ's pizza place. We've talked about it incessantly now that we're working with them. So they're doing... Because AJ's American, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they are doing the big American Thanksgiving celebration today. Okay, they're opening at nine o'clock in the morning, and you're like, "Well, wait a minute, pizza place? They're doing like breakfast sandwiches. They're doing turkey sandwiches all day mm-hmm. until like it runs out. Breakfast pizza. I was just about to say that. Do they do breakfast pizza? I like don't. Egg on top of pizza. They're doing bacon? breakfast sandwiches. So let's focus on what they are doing and not the <laughs> speculating what they might be doing. Uh, It's also open all day. It's happy hour all day. And again, check them out. It's AJ's on East Broadway. It's basically Broadway and Maine. Go check them out.
2: Uh, Are there going to be any close football games today? The Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers kick it off 930 a.m. Our time. That's a classic. Lions minus eight and a half.
0: I think that one Uh, might be close because the Lions are playing everybody close right now.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dallas is a 13.5-point favorite at home to Washington. That is and not going to be a good football game. The game that we're all waiting for, I know Shorty and Murph will be at, and apparently not Ferraro, based on the broadcast. Yeah. Uh, the 49ers are seven-point favorites tonight
0: in Seattle. That's a 520 start our time. <sighs> Man, like, when's the last time a team's gone into Seattle is that big of a favorite? That's a big. That's a big line. That's a touchdown, mm-hmm. right? And I get it. I have. I mean, Kenneth Walker is not going to play tonight. Currently, Gino lists- might. Gino probably. Oh, will. Gino's going to play. Yeah, yeah. The way if you read between the lines, <laughs> the way Drew Locke played the other day, Gino's going to play. He's going to say, Gino, can part- you throw with your left? <laughs> part of this is because of the injury, and part of this is because it's like, ugh, Drew Lock. Uh, but no, Kenneth Walker the third. I guess Zach Charbonnet. We're still deciding whether we're going to call him Zach Chardonnay or Jose Charbonneau. Mm-hmm. Both work, but. Um, I'm intrigued by him being the feature back because I do like the way that he runs, but maybe not against this defense. Maybe this isn't the game where I want to see him have the big. I think he's load. better as a counter punch. Yeah, I do too. To like I'm, I I would like to see him get an expanded role because I'm curious yeah. about the way that he plays. He's a good running back, but there are better teams to match up against. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Uh, I got to do the business before we get into the Canucks stuff. So Halford and Bruff in the morning. Uh, AJ's mentioned that already. We are brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live
2: from the Kintec Studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Take
0: it away. You got a thing you want to do about the Vancouver Canucks. What? We already laid it out. The Canucks have played 20 games, the
2: 13-6-1 overall, hashtag the start, has been wildly successful. Now... They are dealing with a bit of adversity right now. They've lost three of their last four. They've got some injury concerns, guys that are out, guys that are playing maybe a little bit hurt. Elias Pedersen, maybe we can discuss that a little later on. Um, But the question that I had for the listeners was, what do we like most about this team? Because there's a lot to like about this team. They are 13-6-1. I don't know if I've ever been more surprised by a start to the season than I have been this year. Never have. In my years and years of watching the Canucks, uh, certainly as a media member, never been more surprised by the start to the season that the Vancouver Canucks have had. Um, Their star players are, for the most part, all playing well, and they've got star players at all the key positions. Uh, the off-season additions have, for the most part, all been good. Solid off-season additions, even if, though some of them have dealt with some injury issues. I have liked what Patrick Galveen and the management team has added to this team. I think the coaching staff has done a very good job preparing his team, uh, their team, and motivating their team. But here's my big one, and it's a bit of a vague reason. I don't hate watching them play. Oh, that's important. <laughs> like, no hate watching. No, like, d- does that does that make sense? Like, I don't, I, I, I enjoy their games. Like, mm-hmm. last night, I'm like, I'm having fun watching hockey. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping they win. For the last few years, I have to be honest, I was kind of like, eh, if they lose, draft position, right? Because I didn't see them as a playoff team. Yeah. I didn't. You know, I didn't. I mean, this sounds so high and mighty. Like this sounds such a
0: media guy. I didn't respect the way they played. That does sound high and mighty. And I don't think they respected the way they played. It was was, last season, especially in the first half. It was kind of a joke, right? There There was there was
2: playing like like the Oilers are playing right now. They're not. Oh, they were. They were worse. And they and they were playing. (laughs) They They were worse. They were playing like they had. No idea what they were doing out there. And, you know, you're watching them against Colorado yesterday, one of the better teams in the league, on the road in Colorado. And did they still make a few mistakes? Yeah, hockey's a game of mistakes. But they didn't make as,
0: as many of these, like, ridiculous mistakes yeah, they that would they have, made last they would year. Have break, you know? They would have breakdowns and mistakes and errors that were unbecoming of an NHL caliber team, mm-hmm. basically. They were playing at a lower level. Yeah, like th- That's how bad the mistakes were. And that's gone. So I understand the hate-watching thing entirely. So we asked the listeners both sides of the coin, right? What do you like? What are you most optimistic about? What do you like the most about this team? But then what could trip them up? Let's stay on the positives for a second here. Uh, we've got a couple in here. Dave and Abby writes, and this is a good one. I like our bottom six for the first time in forever. That's a good point. I don't remember the last time that Jason Bruff has come into this studio, this one or 1040s, to be honest, and said, they're really good bottom six. Like, I like what they've done with this group. They mm-hmm. are playing well. You've mentioned Sam Lafferty more times. I really like Sam Lafferty. You, yeah. And that is, yeah. that's a very shrewd acquisition. You know who else I think you quite like is Pia Suter. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like, he really ties the room together. He's like a rug. He ties that line together. Yeah. And when he's, here's the thing when he's absent, you kind of notice it. Mm-hmm. And when he's in there, I don't think you notice him as much because he's a glue guy. He holds the thing together. I think Ian Cole's been a good addition too. He's helped the PK. The PK
2: the PK actually looks like a respectable PK unit yes. right now. Yes. You know? Are they going to get scored on? Yeah. Of course they are. And there's going to be the odd mistake once in a while. And Ian Cole's going to get beaten on plays. You got you know, he got out muscled in front of the net by Riley Tufty. Yesterday. That's gonna happen. Tufty's a big boy. <laughs> He's Tufty. And you could even you could even argue that was kind of interference there. That was like I thought old, they were gonna challenge. Old old school no, 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 not goalie interference, just interference oh, on coal. Oh, like oh, he oh, oh. It was a bit of a like an old school like Bertuzzi move. Like, yeah, you know, at any rate, it doesn't
0: really matter. Uh do um, you want my answer to this? I would love your answer on this. What do I like most about this team? Quinn Hughes. That is what I like most about this team. I know it's simple. That's I know a good it, answer, though. But it is I'm I'm trying to think about what could have made this a more harmonious ascension into the captain. So not only does he get bestowed the C prior to the season, he then comes out and shows everyone that there's another level to his game. When we all thought that maybe he had ceilinged, and I know that I'm just making up a word there, but maybe he had ceilinged, and, and not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but you look, look at his season last year. And I'll, I'll, I'll frame it this way. Last year, he set career and franchise bests for a defenseman, right? He was a top 10 in the Norris Trophy voting. And I thought, okay, if Quinn Hughes can continue this, being a top 10 defenseman in the NHL, rubbing shoulders alongside the likes of uh, Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, Roman Yossi, Victor Hedman, yeah. Miro Heiskanen, if he can do that, that is awesome. You need that kind of guy to be a playoff team and then try and go far in the Did you playoffs? see that
2: play made last night when once again he walked the line and I'm going to call it beating the contain? Yeah. <laughs> you know, in football, when like yep. you get out to the quarterback gets outside the pocket and you like beats the contain or right. whatever the running back does?
0: Yeah, Drusher got a little too aggressive. Yeah, now he like got around him.
2: Quinn Hughes did that and he put a pass across the crease. That was labeled for a one-timer by a Canuck. I'm not sure who it was, but it ended up hitting someone's skate. And that could have been such an incredible goal. And that was kind of like, the Canucks didn't get the best puck luck last night, but he is continually doing it. Yep. Not just walking the line, but walking
0: the line and then walking towards the net. He's got got jukes, which you don't see a lot of guys. He jukes guys with great frequency. And... I'm, do,
2: I'm doing all I can to not make a Russell Wilson in his prime comparison. Just don't
0: do it. You already kind of did it now, but anyway. Point being, my the favorite
2: capability. Th-
0: yes, please. <laughs> please stop. Beating the contain. <laughs> um, I, that's so. My answer. What I like most about this team <laughs> is Quinn Hughes. Uh, what could still trip them up as we do our House of Negativity? There's more House of Reality. Because uh, my answer, I'll go first. Because I'm already talking. Uh, it's injuries. And we're seeing it play out right now. There's... I don't think... I think that's... And by the way, everyone that's texted
2: into the Dunbar-Lumber text line, everyone is like, they don't have enough depth... They don't have the if, depth. If, if they get injuries, they're And special.
0: everyone that wrote into the Dunbar-Lumber text yeah. line is right. They don't have the depth. They are not... Like Colorado's blue line. Mm. I mean, you saw it last night. Taves, McCarr, Manson, Byram. That is a real good, <laughs> real good top four. That is... Uh, versatile and it's deep and it has the star power and it's got the snarl with man. like, that's a good top four. So if you're talking about where the bar is in the NHL, it's to be that. And it's not to be where the Canucks conceivably where the Canucks could be going into uh, this game in Seattle, which is like yeah. ugly. If yeah. Friedman and Myers are out, I don't even know what the blue line looks like. I know that it's going to have Quinn Hughes and Philip Horanick, and I know Ian Cole will be there.
2: Mm-hmm. I, J- Juleson will have to be there. He'll Jules Juleson to. played well last night.
0: Yeah, fine. I but you. It just feels like a band aid solution. Perosi right.
2: will be in there.
0: Yeah, and that's another band aid. And, and then, you know what the thing with the band aid is? Is once it gets wet or dirty, it's like, well, now we got to change it. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, look, you're, look, you're looking around
2: the house, and all you got is like uh, Marvel. Uh, yeah. Superhero. My Little
0: Pony. Yeah, yeah, which is My Little Pony. Which, <laughs> in, the, which in this analogy is Christian Wilanin. You right. are a My Little Pony Band-Aid, right? That's kind of where we're going with Let's this. Let's read some text here. Uh,
2: this is from uh, Mass. Love that Tocket has got this team believing in a system and playing fairly consistent. Fairly consistent is a good way of putting it. Right? Like there's st- and, and if you ask Rick Tocket, he's like, there's still some mistakes that we need to clean up. After almost every game, mm-hmm. we're still forgetting a few things. And... They're 20 games into the season. Yeah. And I know he coached them for quite a few games at the end of last season, but that's hard when you're going in as a coach and a lot of the guys on the team aren't even going to be on the team the following year. Mm -hmm. Really the coaching job that I'm most impressed with Rick Tockett is like from the start of the year. Yeah. Right? And I I I think they've done just a terrific job. It's just an eye test thing. And, and, and sometimes I sit there and go, How have they turned this around? How are they 13 6 and 1 given that their core players were all here last year? Yep. Except for Heronic, right? Heronic has um, made a big difference.
0: Yeah, he has. Um, on that note, with regards to the coaching, I think Tockett deserves so much credit for the amount of offense that this team has been able to produce without sacrificing on the defensive side their goal differentials plus 29 yeah they have 80 goals scored and again remember the, what the talk was the talk it talk was coming into the season especially from you and I Uh, This feels like low event hockey in which there are not going to be a lot of goals. Mm -hmm. That was my understanding of how this season was going to play out. That if offense had to be sacrificed in order to not be an egregiously bad tire fire defensively, then that's what was going to happen. Absolutely has not been. They have scored with regularity, but it hasn't come at the expense of the defense. Uh, Mike, attending.
2: Mike, the urologist from Brockville. I hated watching them last season. Totally crumble every time they faced any adversity. I couldn't handle it, and it was inevitable. Right now, they can make a game of it against anyone. Yeah, the the mopey the mopey faces Man. of last last year. You know, just like the just the overall. Dourness of the group, mm-hmm. and are reflected watching them. I think you know we've had it wasn't it wasn't just us that watched them with that word disdain, right? Yeah. Like uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of listeners that have texted in and said I felt the exact same way. Hmm. And to tell you the truth, I'm still adjusting. I I'm think still the, in this I think adjustment the adjustment phase. Believe they're an
1: elite team now. Like they feel like they can compete. Well, with they should. well okay. So let well, well hold the break. Hold hold on. Well, I think they feel that.
2: Well, here's a shouldn't. here's a question. Here's a question that I was thinking of yesterday. Um, You know how we say, like, we make too much of, like, the first game of the season, right? And there's, like, 81 games after that. How important was that 8-1 win over Edmonton in the first game of the season? Profound. Set set the tone. I I think it was
0: massively important. But you know why? Because,
2: remember, their preseason wasn't all that encouraging. There
0: was no offense in the preseason.
2: You're watching them, and you're like, I don't know and then you had the garland stuff that broke right before and, mm-hmm. and you know people are still freaking out about you know PD not being uh fully committed to the team or like like he said not fully committed to the team he just basically said look i'm not signing yet so you had that overhanging everything like the vibes the vibes weren't terrific and then that one game they smoked the Oilers 8-1 and do you remember also during that game we're all like waiting for the Canucks to blow that lead because that's what they'd done the season before. Yep. But instead, they just kept piling on, piling on. And they beat the Oilers the next night in Edmonton, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't you know as dominant in a fashion or even close to as dominant as the first one. But like, I think that first game
0: gave this group a big dose of belief. Well, and you know what else it did? And this is the this is the thing that we need to focus on with regards to this team is playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. That's what they want to do. That's where they want to be. That's what they want to make. But they, they feel they're a playoff team. Yeah, but what they did with Edmonton, unbeknownst at the time, was destroyed the Oilers, broke them in half, and actually... Took a team out of playoff contention. Yeah, because if you're going to get into the playoffs, someone's got to fall out. I don't think anyone thought at the time it was going to be Edmonton, but like I am, I am very, very, very unsure if Edmonton has it in them right now to get back in this thing. I've definitely changed my opinion based on it, like compared to a couple weeks ago when I was like, "No, they'll they'll fight back." Seattle is holding last wild card right now with 21 points. Mm -hmm. Edmonton has 11. Yeah. yeah, they are ten points back of the last wild card spot at American Thanksgiving, and they don't have goaltending. Like, and where's it going to come from? Yeah, I know. I know they're kicking the tires on everything and everyone. Hey, like even Jack even if Campbell the, thirty safe shutout the other night in the NHL. <laughs> I wonder if he'll be back. I honestly <laughs> do. Well, I don't think Calvin Pickard is it. No. Um, and look, if Ken, Hall, I think uh, amazingly, if Ken Holland's still calling the shots, and I think Jeff Jackson's probably doing it right now, but I think. That they hope that they can pull a St. Louis. I think that that's what they're going to say. We're going to somehow find a Binnington, right, and the scrap heap somewhere. Just, classic thing that so many teams have exactly, done in history, right? The, like the St. Louis. We're, we're going to this once in a lifetime thing. We're going to replicate four years after it happened. I, but I do think that's what they hope. That a goalie's just going to come in and somehow it's going to click, and they're going to take off on this rocket ship. I
2: saw a great. Uh, it was I think it was on Twitter. Someone said the Oilers are either going to miss the playoffs or win the Stanley Cup. And I'm like, that's a great call Mm -hmm. because if they can get into the playoffs, they're winning the Stanley Cup. (laughs) I mean, because of the the pace they'd have to play at to get into the Stanley Cup and how good they would be. And they would have obviously found something. But I think you're right. I think they were trying to pull a St. Louis or trying to pull, um, you know, a Pittsburgh when they went to Mike Sullivan. They make the coaching change, but it's like there's been nothing.
0: The sparks aren't happening right now.
2: It's it's nothing. Uh, Here's another text in. I watched like ten games last year. I hated the Canucks. I've watched every game this year. Yeah, the Canucks started to the, the, the Canucks played the last few years um, a style of hockey um, that, when you combined with the incentives of the draft and mm-hmm. the types of players that were available in the draft, had a lot of Canucks fans rooting against the team.
0: Yep, uh, two-time caller Brian wrote in with the exact same thing. I stopped watching last year. It was brutal. This year. I can't miss a game. That's the biggest um, That's the, like, the biggest endorsement that I think you can Another honestly. I
2: grew, I grew up listening to the Canucks <laughs> yeah. on the radio in the 80s. I loved the Canucks. Last year, I hated them. Mm-hmm. First time I've hated a Canuck team.
0: I was the same way. Um, I I just think that we sometimes underestimate, and I think at some points the franchise and organization also underestimated, how much easier it is to tune out now. We don't, I mean, if, if it's not going well, and by that I mean like you're the team that you cheer for and you root for, mm-hmm. some people will turn and it'll be like, I'm miserable because my team is losing yeah, yeah. and I'm venting because my team is losing. I think the as we sort of evolve <laughs> as a people, some people are like, you know what? Maybe I just won't pay attention to this thing that's not giving me happiness or joy. Yeah. That instead of investing more time into it and understanding what like the traditional fan experience is, People will just disconnect, right? And and that's an important thing to understand. Or turn
1: the channel to a good game that they're more interested in, right? Either the same sport I, or different sport.
0: I there is an evolution in fandom where the, the don't get me wrong, there's going to be uh, super fans that are going to be like I ride or die with my team yeah. and I live. And I'll let with... you know about it. Yeah, but there's also going to be people that are like, you know what, this isn't fun. And like this connects Twitter thing when it's toxic, that's not fun. So yeah. instead of Engaging, I'm I'm just just going to withdraw. Well,
1: it's because they haven't had a lot of. Bad losses. Like, every every game has more or less been fun mm. to watch. Like, even last night, yeah, they lost, but they led possession most of the night. They played really well. They held their own. Going into they the They made third some mistakes. Period. Yeah.
2: I was like, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. They, I
1: think, As I opposed think, to, uh, I'm going to bed. The TV screen, <laughs> like, at one point, the, the Chiron, I think it was like 10 minutes to go in the third period, and they were leading in possession the entire night up mm. until the final 10 minutes where
2: the Avs kind of took it over. So, I mean, they played really well. So, here's what's facing the Canucks uh, coming up. Uh, they're in Seattle tomorrow night uh, to play a Kraken team that has played a little bit better. I think they've won three of their last four. They smoked San Jose last night. Speaking of those Sharks, uh, the Canucks play those Sharks Saturday in San Jose. And then they return home to play a team that we haven't actually talked about that much this year, but they're off to a better start than expected, and that is the Anaheim Ducks. And then Thursday, November the 30th, Rogers Arena. If you think Colorado was a tough test, the defending Stanley Cup champs are at Rogers Arena uh, a week from now, the Vegas Golden Knights. And then the Canucks go to Calgary to play the Flames. So mm-hmm. these next five games at Seattle, at San Jose, Anaheim, Vegas, Calgary, all within the division. And they have lost 3 of 4. So as positive as we've been in our recap of the Canucks after 20 games, and rightly so, yeah. given their overall record, like they need to pick their game up. Yeah, And I thought they did pick their game up last night in Colorado. Like, I thought they played, I know they didn't win, I know they made a few mistakes, but I thought I was encouraged by the energy that they showed, and I was encouraged that they just, they hung with the Avs, right? Like, at the end of the day, the Avs' best players, Makar was just like, nope, we're, you know, like, this this is my game, right? And their best players were ultimately better than the Canucks players, and they won. And you know what? That's fine. It's okay to lose games like that. It wasn't reminded
1: like the five-two like Kraken loss. You were just no. like, oh
2: god. It reminded me of earlier in the season, wherein they lost in Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay's top players just played better, and that was coming after the really disappointing game in Philly. It's it's okay, and after that, the Canucks were after that Tampa Bay game. The Canucks were able to rattle off three straight because they improved their game. So hopefully, they can do that. Going forward, uh, Blake Nil, the head coach of the UBC Thunderbirds, who are going to play against the Montreal Carabins, good one in the Vanier Cup this weekend, will join us next for a quick chat about his team's journey to the uh, Vanier Cup. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650,
1: talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: 33 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy American Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, We don't have enough what we learned in the Dunbar Lumber Text line at 650, 650. Plain and simple. You listeners have gotten all fat and happy and sassy. You think, well, they're going to be giving away tickets, so that's the only time I'm going to send in what we learned. I'll tell you what, we will take away the tickets.
2: We'll take them away, and we have long memories. We know who's contributing on a daily basis. I hold. And a sometimes those listeners get rewarded. A dog's wow. writing notes.
0: I yeah. hold it. Name I name. I can hold a grudge for an impressive amount of time. Mm. I got grudges from high school still. I'm we know. Forty four. We know if you're just a
2: ticket. What we learner? Yeah, you know. I see you, two time
0: caller Brian. <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna talk a little Vanier Cup in a moment here. Uh, before we do that, let's take care of some business. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. Uh, hour two of this program, we are right in the middle of it. UBC football coach Blake Nill is going to join us in just a second here. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid, visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, the UBC Thunderbirds are about to appear in their seventh Vanier Cup and their first since 2015. They're taking on Montreal in the final from Kingston, not Jamaica. <laughs> that would be nice, though. That would be amazing. Joining us now, the head coach of the T-Birds, Blake Nil, here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Blake. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Uh, we are well. Thanks for taking the time good. to do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Everything's good. Good. Excellent. Um, so you are uh, back in the Vanier Cup with the T-Birds in the first time since 2015. I actually wanted to start with that previous victory, and I know it's kind of a cliched question and everything, but you had the experience with this particular school, in this particular cup, in this championship. What have you been able to lean on or what have you been able to tell this current crop of T-Birds about what it's like to go to this game to try and win a national championship, having already done it a few years ago?
3: You know, it's just that it's it's reminding the young men that don't believe the hype, don't believe you know that that this group that we're going to play is is not beatable. You know, we we went in in twenty fifteen with a, I thought a, a more of a a mishmash of of different athletes. You know, I thought I thought we were even a even a greater underdog our our more substantial underdog in 2015 and we made the right number of plays you know we made plays we had athletes come out who who you know just at the right point made the, the kind of play you need to win and that's what i've been telling this group that it'll come down to three or four big plays we don't know who will make them but someone on one of the teams will make those plays and consequently, you're going to have a, a chance to be a national champion.
0: Uh, I want to know a little bit more about your team beyond what I already don't know. I do know that your starting quarterback, Garrett Rooker, came all the way from Texas and rebounded from a pretty crazy, gruesome uh, hip injury to lead you guys to the venue you kept this year. What can you tell us about Rooker? I mean, first of all, like how did he manage to go all the way from Texas to UBC?
3: Well,. Garrett, Garrett from Houston played 6A football in in Houston, which is the the largest schools in the in the state, um, all districts. So a very, uh, you know, a very good athlete. Both in in football, we we got lucky with Garrett in a sense that his father's a world class marine biologist. He sends his phd students to ubc so <laughs> consequently there was a link little little bit of a pathway in that regard so we didn't have to explain the you know the the standard the the academic standard the academic excellence associated with the school we more or less had to you know do our best selling him on the on the quality of athletics and Garrett Garrett was a two-sport athlete. Initially, he was going to play both basketball and football at UBC. You know, chose football, and uh, we've reaped the rewards of that decision for the last three years. Um, What
2: is your biggest advantage recruiting at the University of British Columbia?
3: the The biggest advantage is the reputation of the school academically. Okay, because. it it, you know it's sort of a a double-edged sword you know uh why why it creates a lot of interest there's also expectations that just make it make ubc not a reality for a lot of very good athletes so so the young men that we get are 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 high achievers both athletically and and academically and um it's a good formula. You just got to turn over a lot of rocks to find the the athletes that fit that kind of uh, category.
2: So, are you are you almost recruiting athletes for not necessarily like to play, go on and play professional football, to but to be part of a high achieving team with a bunch of other high achievers that's going to prepare them for bigger things later in
3: their lives. U- UBC football is designed to get you to the next level. We've had, we've had probably two thirds of all NFL teams on campus this year. Hmm. Looking at two or three of our athletes, we're 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 both. You know, like we we don't want to take a, a backseat to the academic reputation of the school. So what we got to do is find guys who fit both categories. You know, who are the elite in terms of their ability to play the game of football but also elite in the classroom and, and again it takes it's a lot of work but when you find those athletes you typically can garner success
2: uh, What will you be facing in the big game in your opponent in the Montreal Caravan? What, what does that mean? Is that a rifle? Is that a gun? Caravan? <laughs> is that, I don't even know what a Caravan is I think it's a rifle uh, what's your, what's b- besides translating their actual name, what is the biggest yeah. challenge you're going to be facing?
3: Just, just, uh, uh, a, a culture that, you know, the place, game the old fashioned way, um, they're, they're athletic, they're big, strong, uh, they're motivated to win. They've had a lot of tough losses in, in the, you know, in the last four or five years this is a group of young men that are have been hardened by by difficulty i'm talking about the montreal team what what, what i've got to do is is prepare my guys to you know the first the first 15 minutes is we're we're going to have to be at our best let everyone calm down and then get into the game but uh you you want to make sure you keep the game in in reach you don't want to lose a game in the first fifteen minutes, let's say.
2: We've talked a lot about a lot of this uh, on our show, just uh, in all sorts of sports and talking about the role of the coach not to just prepare the team for things going well, but also to prepare the team for things that don't go well, because you're going to go into a game and the other team is going to make a play, or maybe there's going to be a bad bounce, or maybe the refs are going to call something that you don't agree with. How do you prepare
3: your team for adversity within games? That, that's actually a good point. I, I always have to prepare worst case scenario so if if you make a decision, don't think of it as oh it's gonna work. You know, think about what are the consequences if it totally blows up in your face. And and that's how I prepare my athletes. I say, look, we got to be resilient. So, you know, you, how you how you get that kind of message through to your athletes is make sure that they're they're well rested, that they're, they're well, ad, you know, adverse and what the game plan is. Um, it, it's a year long process. Resiliency is key in the sport of football and resiliency comes from just the hours and hours of work, whether it's in the weight room in front of the, you know, in front of the video screen, uh, on the field, it's just, uh, I I just think football is a, is a great tool to teach old fashioned work ethic, accountability, and values. And uh, I'm proud to be part of the game. And I'm I'm really I'm hoping you know our resiliency is going to be is going to tomorrow or on Saturday because I I believe if it does we have a chance against a very tough opponent.
2: Well, coach, I'm a proud UBC alum, so. Go get it done. And thanks for joining Thank us Thank you, today.
3: guys. Really
0: appreciate your support, man. Thank you both. Good luck, Blake. That's Blake Neal, the head coach of the UBC T-Birds. They will be taking on Montreal in the Vanier Cup this weekend. Looking to win the Vanier Cup for the first time since 2015. Okay. Um we got a lot to get into here. No, okay, I think we've done a lot of Canucks. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. And we, we, got, we went local. You can't accuse us of not going local. We just previewed the Vanier Cup, right? You're not going to get that on every other show on this station. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to go to the National Basketball Association. And not just to do one of our classic Halford and Bruff rundowns. Like, let's go through the scoreboard. Uh, some very weird happened last night. Uh, when the San Antonio Spurs were playing the Los Angeles Clippers. This game took place in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that plays for the L.A. Clippers is Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard won a championship with San Antonio. And then what happened to me? He forced his way out via trade. And where'd he go? Toronto. What happened there? He went to he won a, he won a Chip. And then he went to uh, Los Angeles to play with the Clippers. So there's been this... This is, a, this is old, old history, right? Like, for one team since... He left the Spurs. He's played for two. He's been gone for a long time. He gets booed when he goes back. They don't they don't like him, right? They don't forget. And fair enough. He brought the team to great heights and then forced his way out. And mm-hmm. it was kind of acrimonious when he did it. It's it's a long time ago, but the fans still boo when Kawhi touches the ball in San Antonio. Now I don't know why. And I don't know the motivation behind the moment. But Greg Popovich decided that last night, a random Wednesday night game (laughs) in November, he decided finally, finally he was going to put a stop to this. Greg Popovich was no longer just going to let San Antonio Spurs fans boo Kawhi Leonard. So in the middle of the game with Kawhi at the free throw line, Popovich, wait for it, took the PA announcer's microphone and decided to address the crowd. I have never seen anything like this in professional sports, really, let alone uh, a, a seemingly meaningless regular season NBA game that didn't have a lot on the line. It wasn't a high-stakes game, but Pop, had, he'd had enough. Do we have the audio? This is Greg Popovich mid-game while Kawhi Leonard is at the line waiting to shoot free throws, uh, admonishing, yes, admonishing, the San Antonio Spurs faithful.
3: And Kawhi with eight points tonight, three of five from the floor,
2: it is only three. Excuse me for
3: a second. Pops on Can the we mic. Stop
1: all the booing. And let these guys play. It's, got class. it's not who we
0: are. Knock off the booing. And the Spurs fans promptly responded by booing louder than they ever had. Now, here's the weird part. Post game. Popovich you know I believe it or not he was asked about this rather bizarre moment like it was like "Eh, pop never mind the game what the hell was that a lot of reporters wanted to know like what's going on with Greg Popovich right now and do we have this audio it was the weirdest explanation that I think he possibly could have given we'll let him speak for himself and then we'll come back on the other side so after telling remember the crowd to stop booing have some class this isn't who we are. Knock off the booing. This is what Pop said was his logic and reasoning behind telling the fans that. Take it away.
2: Anybody that knows anything about sports, you don't poke the bear. But you, you told the fans that it was... I just, I just told you why I did it. What? Can you clarify that, though? What, um, I, I, I spoke English. I just told you. Anybody that knows anything about sports knows you don't poke the bear. That's my answer.
0: So, the reason there was, I'm going to
2: start using that, by the way, when I like, I just spoke English. Yeah. You and know I that language
0: you. I used? English? <laughs> Do you know it? Good. Um, the reason there was that stunned silence and that long, awkward pause is because the reporters were trying to be like, What the hell did you just say? The reporter literally was like, what? Can
1: you, <laughs> sorry, could you expand on the it, poking it, the bear part? Right, because I'm doing
0: it again right now. I mean, what the, the reporter should have said is like, well, why didn't you say that while addressing the crowd? Because mm. when you address the crowd, you put it all on the crowd for being classless. Yeah, it was
2: like it was like a moralizing thing.
0: It 100 percent was a moralizing thing. Mm. But in the post game, did he change his mind? <laughs> well, here's what I think happened. I think Pop thought it was going to be it was going to go one way. Pop was going to get a standing ovation. Like, well done. That's a man with we class. We do have class. Yeah. He's right. You know, And they're like, you know what, Pop? You're right. And all the fans would break down and cry, and then they'd hug Kawhi. Maybe not the hugging part, but yeah, because yeah, security would be like, get off the court. <laughs> uh, but I think he, I honestly think, and good on him for doing a quick pivot and then being a dick about it, because I honestly think <laughs> that he thought that it was going to go one way, and he was going to be p- applauded, right? In these difficult times that you don't, You know, insult the players, you appreciate their basketball beauty and Mm you cheer them on no matter what. He thought that was going to be the response. Yeah. And the response was, "Uh, we're going to boo louder. Yeah. Pop. Yeah. And so then he went into the locker room post game and he's like, damn, I got to come up with something. And then he went to the podium and he's like, I know, you don't poke the bear. I honestly think that's how it played out. What do you mean? Don't poke the bear. Um, the the Clippers. That's point. not important. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that, but the game didn't even matter at that point. Um, have you ever seen anything like this? The only thing that I could think of was, do you remember Sam White? I have the audio. I pulled it pre. I pulled it pre-show. Oh, did you? So this one was different. Back in '89, uh, the Cleveland Bra- Cleveland Browns were playing the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati, and there were snowballs being thrown onto the field to the point where the referees were considering. Penalizing Cincinnati for their home fans' behavior. So what they were they
2: throwing snowballs? Was that what it was?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was like ice balls or whatever. Yeah, because yeah, it was yeah. snowing. Yeah, so yeah. what they made Sam Weich do was take the microphone and address the fans. The now this is the anti-pop. This is the greatest in-game. This is incredible in-game address ever. Back in 1989, it's in Cincinnati. It's a rivalry game against Cleveland. Here's Cincinnati Bengals head coach Sam Weich.
2: Will the next person that sees anybody
3: throw anything onto this field, point them out, or get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland, you do live in Cincinnati.
0: Now that is that's, incredible.
2: That's, can we hear – Can we? I want to play that one more time because I want everyone to focus on the roar of the crowd. That's what Pop thought he was going to get. This is what Pop thought he was going to get. So play it again, the roar the next of the crowd. that sees anybody –
3: throw anything onto this field, point him out, or get him out of here. You don't live in Cleveland, you live
0: in Cincinnati. Like, here about, come the snowball. I'm talking about owning the moment, though, right? Yeah. Like, that's a WWE promo. Like, oh, that right. was great. Yeah, I don't, And you and know then, what? And here's the response Pop. should have been like...
1: He yeah. should have <laughs> been same. like, uh, please cheer now. Please yeah. clap along with me. So,
0: I, you know, I think Popovich thought he was going to get that approval that Sam Weich got. Yeah. But... It just didn't come off. It's because he
2: didn't. He didn't pick a, a common enemy.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? right?
2: I don't know what if he, he would... had said. Like, you don't live in. I don't know who does San Antonio
0: hate. Houston, Houston. <laughs> you don't live in Albuquerque. That was a <laughs> double cast. Yeah, <laughs> you don't live in Albuquerque. They're like, You're right, Pop. We don't. Yeah, screw Albuquerque. The
1: moral is, know. you just shouldn't give guys named Greg a microphone. It's yeah. the end of the day. Really?
0: I don't, I, yeah, I don't know, man. Agreed. I, well, that's a big part of this. <laughs>
1: I hope he keeps bringing don't poke the bear back in every press conference for the rest of the well, season. Well, that was, keeps, the, it, keeps that, that, with that it.
0: to me was the worst part of the whole that thing.
2: That was the dumbest explanation ever. Like, oh, so you decided at that point, like, how many games have you coached in your career, Pop? A million? How yeah. many times has the crowd booed, like, a, a really good player on, on the other team? Like, so why tonight? Why tonight? I just grab- I do you think speak Pop is just it. at that point in his career where he's just like I can do anything I want? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh I just, oh, yeah. just want to grab the mic. Look, I'm yeah. Greg Popovich. Yeah, yeah. What you do? I want. Yeah. yeah,
0: he's 74 years old. He's regarded as one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. He's also he like grabs the mic. He's like, I want everyone
2: after the game to stay in their seat so I can get out of here quick and I don't have to fight yeah. the traffic. He should
1: do this every game now. <laughs> just yeah. take the mic every game, different directions <laughs> yeah. every game. Man. No, how's
0: everybody doing tonight? So I mean, I. I hope, for his sake... Stand-up routine? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Have you ever noticed? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the deal with airline food. No, I, I don't know why he did it. Other than, I think that you're kind of on the right path. Like He's like, I'm Greg Popovich, yeah. and I can be the moral compass for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it just did not come off at all how he wanted. And then I kind of lost a bit of respect for the guy because of the way that he pivoted. Like don't don't insult a, a, a reporter. Like I, and this isn't a media thing I could care less about reporters. Yes. But don't co- don't get angry at a guy that's like um can you please explain cuz that ex- explanation made no sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, "Well, I just said it in English." And then and then you kind of become the dismissive dickish coach, right? Mm-hmm. That's like everyone is beneath me. Right. Which was kind of how you got to that point in the, the first place by the, telling everyone to have a little class.
1: The stunned silence by the reporter's own and then just the what? Yeah, <laughs> like, I have to <laughs> it. like, "Listen." Hope Look.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we got what? a big final what? hour on the program here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Thomas Drance is going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. We can ask him the question that we posed to the listeners here. Uh, what do you like most about this Vancouver Canucks team now that we are at American Thanksgiving and through 20 games? And what could possibly trip them up? I'm sure Drance has answers on that. Well,
2: I want to ask your too, what he thinks of Petey and if Petey's maybe got a, a nagging injury. and then Because eight- that, is, that might be... Well, there's a few concerns. The back end right now is a concern, but that PD's play right now just doesn't look 100%. Uh,
0: and then at 8.30, we are going to do what we learned. It's your chance to be on the radio. Get them in. Hashtag them WWL. Uh, ask, or sorry, tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports and text it to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You are listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: Right, get them out of here. You don't in Cleveland. You don't-